friends! I am your host, Scott Davis. Right alongside me, I don't think I'm going to give you a rank now. I think you're just going to be Jason Hickey. Oh, well. So I'm an enlisted man. O'Brien was an enlisted man, so I'm okay with it. No, no. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm putting you off the ship. Wow. Into the parasitic ice? Exactly. It's pretty cold, man. Yeah, that's because it's ice. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As you can tell from that, we are going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Yes. Episode one and two of season three have been released. So what did you think? <sighs> Better than the previous season, because uh, season two I didn't really like that much. Really? Yeah. But it's so far, it's starting out better than the previous season. Okay. And I was a lot more interested in Michael, especially in the fact that when she was intoxicated, <laughs> actually brought a decent side yeah. of Michael out. Now, I think you're alluding to a common complaint about the series, is that it's too Michael-centric. Mm-hmm. And not only is it too Michael-centric, she's rather dour. Mm-hmm. I've read in interviews that that is the old Michael, and now that you know she's essentially turned a new chapter in her life, mm-hmm. this is going to be a different character, a more optimistic character. Mm. And and I think we started to see shades of that in the first episode. I mean, we could say that she was a little more optimistic, saying, "I know my my crew is going to get here. I know that the crew is going to be doing it right." Whereas in the past, she was more uh, on the line of, "It's all about me." Right. Very narcissistic. And honestly, the, the storylines of the previous two seasons kind of lent it to that view. Mm-hmm. Because it, the last two seasons have been very Michael-centric. Now, I get it. She's the main character. But the, the last season, which I enjoyed, mainly because of Pike, because he was fantastic. The last season was entirely revolving around I'm, her and her I'm family. Go, I'm going to say this right now. Mm-hmm. All right, Pike and Spock in last season were the only good parts <laughs> of last season. Oh, see, I, I disagree. I, I enjoyed the story from last season. I think it was an improvement over season one. I actually liked season one. I, I'm not saying I didn't. I greatly enjoyed season one. I actually really enjoyed Discovery as a Star Trek show. I think season one had a couple of couple of low points, but overall, I, I really enjoyed it. And season two, I think, made improvements overall. And I like the fact that they jumped forward in time for season three so that they can really just they can get away from the trappings that they put themselves in by being in the time period they were in mm-hmm. and can explore on their own with no worry of repercussions of current canon because yes. there are people online who just freak out anytime something might possibly contradict a previous episode of Star Trek N- never mind the fact that it it's happened now for 50 years where Hey, look, this new episode contradicts this episode, which contradicts this episode. It's been happening for years. And I think that social media has given the people who want everything to be line up perfectly a very large voice. And I think it's ridiculous. Very much so. I think it's ridiculous, too. Yeah. Saying. I think it's very much so ridiculous, yes. It is. So people need to calm down. So I feel that episode one and two, the way that it was released on it, is a two-parter. Because they're both introductions. Essentially, yes. So episode one was a mycocentric episode. It was, but it made sense because they went through the wormhole separately. They arrived separately. They needed the drama. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that it was a Michael-centric episode. Yeah. Well, that's why I liked episode two better because Michael wasn't in it. Except until very, very... I end. didn't mind... I, I liked episode one, but I also liked episode two better just because it I, it featured more of the crew. Mm. And I like the crew. 
well that's the thing is i want to see more of the crew i want to see the crew yeah go and do their interactions so it was like when we watched enterprise it wasn't a you know picard show it was a data and laforge right. and Riker and all of them when we watched ds9 it wasn't just about cisco right it, it was an ensemble it was an ensemble and when you're throwing in discovery i don't know half the crew members right and I'm like, okay, I remember they look familiar and something like that. Especially, like, even right now on the Discovery um, banner poster, mm-hmm. you know, I can recognize, I want to say, a good majority of them. Right. But there's, like, one girl in there's like, I have no idea who that is. It's because we haven't met her yet. Yeah. It's a new character. It's a and, season three poster. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I, and I think that's the fault of the original showrunner. It was originally going to be run by Brian Fuller. And he laid out his plan for a season-long story arc, which he actually wanted to be, um, what's the word? I don't know. It's when one season is about one thing and then the other season is about something else. and uh, Anthologies. Thank you. He originally wanted it to be an anthology. So the first season would have been about Michael Burnham and the war, and then it would have gone on to a different ship, different crew in the second Oh, so season. it's like American Horror Story, because those are anthologies where right, they're, they're right. different and stories. And they might have shared season. some characters, but the stories would have been different ships, different crews. And that was the original vision of Discovery. Now, Brian Fuller left to do American Gods before the first episode was shot. And the next showrunners came in, guided by Kurtzman. Now, and, and they're the ones who came up with the Mirror Universe twist in season one, which I thought was fun. Mm. I, it kind of came... I, th- I think that ruined Lorca because Lorca was a so much better if he wasn't a mirror universe do- uh, doppelganger. I will agree. I like okay storytelling wise. I liked the fact that they were being manipulated to go to the mirror universe through the whole thing. I thought that was a, a cool twist. But I agree. I think a morally gray captain would have been a lot of fun mm-hmm. and just to keep him on there, and that would have been cool. But alas. So that, that's what happened with season one. There were basically two competing visions. And then in season two, it was the same deal because the showrunners ran the first, like, probably third or half of the season. And then they got fired because they were abusive on set. I thought Kurtzman was still going. Kurtzman is. It was two other people whose um. names I can't remember because I don't care about them. They were fired. And then Kurtzman and Michelle Paradise took over. And now they are the full-time showrunners and ran the whole show for the entire third season. So what I'm hoping is with that we get a more consistent season. Mm. And I'm assuming CBS has liked it because they've already greenlit a season four. Exactly. I, CBS is all in on Star Trek right now. And now, I am. That, that's not part of the news because we gave that news last time. Yes. But it's still exciting. So anyway. All right. Let's, let's talk about the actual episode, Scott. Quit, you know, quit bringing other stuff up. I thought you'd be happy about other stuff coming up. Being <laughs> the fact that it's just Star Trek. Man, you're so hateful. It's not hate. That's all I'm saying. It's okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so we get our previously on, and we basically catch a recap of season two. And then we get a scene that, it, honestly, it fits more in Star Wars. It is two ships flying through a debris field, having basically a dogfight. And one of them is a character who we've seen in a lot of promos, being chased by another character. And all of a sudden, he, he picks up a reading, he sees a thing, and out of it pops Burnham in her... Red Angel suit. And she hits his ship, careens off into the atmosphere, and crash lands. Yes. And the first thing she does upon crash landing is determines, is there life? 
because if there's life, that means that that she succeeded in stopping control from last season. That too. And there's life. She's happy, but she's stranded. She has to send the suit back and get rid of it so it gets destroyed so no one can use it. And she is now stranded. Mm-hmm. Now, she does meet up with the pilot of that ship, whose name is Book. Book. His actual name is Cleveland Booker. Yes. Book is a nickname. Now, it turns out his ship was damaged when she, uh, you know, careened into it. And he has to have it, he has to get it repaired. But in order to repair it, he needs something of value to trade because he's got to go to the exchange. Because everything is based on a barter system now from what we can see. Right. There is no sort of currency like latinum or dollars or right. whatever. And, well, they're not here. There might be latinum somewhere. Mm-hmm. But as we learn, the Federation is basically gone. Not through any fault of its own. There was a catastrophe about 120 years before this. The burn. The burn. Where most of the dilithium in the galaxy, or in their corner of the galaxy, exploded. Which were all starships and have dilithium in them. So all Starfleet ships pretty much just went poop, 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 poop. Right. So uh, I I can see that that, if you're going for a catastrophe, that's a pretty big one. Mm -hmm. So... They, uh, she accompanies him to this exchange, and it is run by, and I, I thought this was a cool touch, the Orions, who were basically pirates when we last saw them in Discovery Era. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, a little over 100 years later, they had stopped being pirates for about five minutes. That we found from Tendi. Yes. It is run by the Orions and the Andorians. Which is an interesting combo, because one are pirates and the other are very, very angry and like to argue. And both of them really won't hesitate to kill you. Exactly. And they're also on the blue spectrum. Both of them are on the blue spectrum. One's blue, one's green. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe they're cousins. Who knows? So they go into this, and he's going to trade some of her ancient Starfleet tech. Well, it's 930 years old. It is 930 So I'm going to get... That's something I want to I want to bring up in season, and sorry, in episode two. Yeah, I want to talk about. Okay, but when we get to the episode two, we'll oh. talk about that. Perfect. Um, now book appears to be a little less than honest because he lets her get captured while he takes the stuff to go and trade it. He doesn't let her get captured. He walks her into a trap. Okay, I was gonna say I thought you were gonna defend him, and I was gonna no. No, I'm I'm, not, I'm saying I'm not saying he let her go. I mean, he he trapped her is what he did. Yeah, because he doesn't trust her, because he's an untrusting person, and this comes the aforementioned thing that Scott mentioned, where they essentially drug Burnham in order to get her to tell the truth, and she's high as a kite. It's a truth serum. Yes, aerosol. It's hilarious. It was probably the funniest part of the episode, and it was this episode had more comedy in it than previous discovery episodes it there this episode other than lower decks this episode probably was more comical than majority of other star trek series yeah they're they're leaning into it a little bit more which is good because they need to have a little bit of a lighter side um i mean long and short of it book can't sell the thing because guy didn't really want it not for the price he was asking it was just they didn't want the price i was asking and after Michael was um, captured, the one of the Orions and one of the Endorans came over to interrogate her, and she's be, she has that 
true serum in her mm-hmm. and she's just like spouting all this random stuff and pretty much she's saying i'm a time traveler but she's not saying i'm a time traveler right uh so they don't understand they don't understand what's going on they, and like the endorans and the orion don't understand what's going on but they also don't think that she's a time traveler because that was outlawed which was a great callback because it was outlawed after the temporal war which, which is, is from enterprise a reference to enterprise yes so they finally find that she was with book mm-hmm. and so now they're going after book who is trying to sell that tricorder and other paraphernalia. paraphernalia and now there's a big firefight yeah and michael and book are in the middle of the firefight fighting everyone else so, so they make use of these uh personal transporters which i think is pretty cool it's a nice piece of future tech. Basically, you can transport from anywhere to anywhere. I'm sure it's got a range on it, but... It does have a 30-second refresh limit, though. Which was nice plot-wise, and it actually makes a little sense. Yes, I, I just think there's a lot of Deuces Machinas in this series so far. Yeah. Just within these two first two episodes, a ton of Deuces Machinas. Yeah. The personal transporter being one of the major... But... 930 years removed from the time period they were in when we already know that they have site-to-site transporters by TNG. A personal transporter is a logical technological achievement. I'm okay with that. I'm not blaming that. I'm just saying it's a do- <laughs> I'm just saying transporters in general are Dusak Magnus. Oh, 100%. They didn't want to have to use the effect of landing the ship every week. I know. I know. <laughs> yes. So there's a running firefight with them having to transport every 30 seconds. And it's a firefight with this, uh, I, I think it's the remnants of the Orion Syndicate is what it is. And there's actually a lot of vaporizing going on, which is kind of interesting. Yes, this is these guns are set to kill people. Oh, yeah. And they, they think that they finally ditched them because they materialized in water. Because apparently they can't trace them in water, which, okay. Um, however, they can find his ship. Because they catch them when they get to the ship. And they are getting ready to execute them because they want his cargo and it turns out his cargo is a giant worm probably about what 15 feet long yeah i'd say 15 20 feet yeah and it, it promptly eats two people yep and then eats burnham well no, actually it ate two people and just crushed another yeah and then they saw that uh burnham was standing next to book and so it decided just to gulp burnham and so book says no 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 she's a friend right in an alien language of course but. And, well and he also gets a little glowy in his forehead and there, there's something going on there i don't know if he's got some augmentation if he's no 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 an no alien. They, they, they said that he was um it, it's it's a generational thing mm-hmm. and it's something within his family but it was a generational uh it, it only happens once every you know couple right, generations right. and he got it so it's a mutation i'm just wondering what it's from is it something that happened to his family is he an alien i don't know they haven't told us yet we haven't learned a ton about book but he he talks the alien out of you know killing michael so the alien spits michael out and it was gross which is fine because you know because you don't like michael it's not that i don't like (laughs) michael it's it's the fact that everything happens perfectly for her yeah, and that's a flaw in the writing. And I, I don't I don't like the fact when people are just too perfect. 
see i want i want to see some growth within a person if you start off as perfect and then you you know and then you keep on going to be more perfect that's that's a that's a character you know flaw in there right i don't like that i like to have some problem growing of a character and my thing is I think they tried to do that in the first season with her being accused of treason and drummed out of Starfleet. And but she was still t- uh, seen to be the perfect person, even being a prisoner. And again, it's a flaw in the writing. Mm-hmm. They need to, and I think that I think we're going to see it more in this season, just based on what I've seen so far. They need to give the other crew time to shine. Yes, and because Michael can't be the, have the solution to every single problem. No. It's going to get really old really fast, and. People are going to tune out. Which is where I am. <laughs> yeah, but you have to watch it because I'm watching it. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. So, Michael, Book, and the alien slug, lizard thing, whatever. Yeah. They fly off. They go to Nirvana or whatever. <laughs> it's a nature preserve planet. Yeah. And they drop off this thing at the planet because the Federation used to be around. The Federation used to do protection for endangered right. species which we saw in season one but since the federation is no longer around because of the burn the endangered species act is pretty much you know null and void so people can go hunt these right and and book is trying his best to save these species yes because he's not a turd like we thought yes and so from the help that michael gave which i don't think really was much <laughs> <laughs> but from the help that michael gave book Book decided that he was going to assist her in to try to help her find the uh, remnants of Starfleet. Right. And by doing that, we then go to a outpost that looks like a derelict. And there's one guy is there. And he has essentially been getting up every day, going and sitting at a desk, waiting for signs of other Federation ships. And he's been doing this for like four decades. With nothing coming of it. Not just him. His entire family, too. Right. That's the thing. His family has been doing this since the burn. And it's it's his turn. And he's been doing it for decades. But he's so dedicated to the idea of the Federation that he gets up and he does it every day. And actually, the whole scene of you know seeing him with the uh, connection with Michael mm-hmm. and raising the flag and having Michael actually commission him as right. a Federation officer. That was actually a very good scene. It was. So I, I do like that end scene. I like the scene with Michael being, you know, high and drunk. And eaten. And, well, and spit out. <laughs> the eating and ant, but the spitting out of her. But other than that, the episode wasn't as entertaining on that end. It was, That's it's fair. definitely a, a setup episode. Whereas the second episode, though, we actually get some more information about other characters. Right. Well, that's the thing. This episode set up the second episode in that we know they're in a future. We know about the burn. We know all about that now. So it gave the second episode more time to work on other things. And just due to it having so much, so many more characters, it was better for storytelling possibilities. Yes. I didn't dislike the first episode. I enjoyed it. But I do think the second episode is much better because there is a little bit more payoff. And, and Saru is awesome. Saru really became a commander in this episode yeah. uh and talking down to Giorgio, so great. oh it was great so great and, and i love Giorgio. i think she's i think she's fantastic i love the fact that she's just this morally repugnant person who wants to do whatever she wants to do and mm-hmm. and he actually dressed her down and successfully and it was it was yeah really good uh so this episode you know starts off with them coming out of the wormhole 
when as soon as they come out of the wormhole, everyone's passed out. Right. And they're having the same problem that Burnham had. They have no power. They have no control over the ship. Mm -hmm. And so while they're waking up, Lieutenant Detmer, the uh, half cyborg. Yeah. She has like a cyborg eye and stuff like that. Not the full cyborg one, the half one. Right. Uh, Full full cyborg's dead. Yeah, full full cyborg's dead. Uh, So the half cyborg um, starts to try and get the ship ready and, and fixed. And we're actually seeing more of her as a character of change. Than we were than we had in the past, right? Uh, so what happened was she safely crash landed Which the ship. Was kind of impressive. Yeah. So she safely crash landed the ship. Everyone got knocked forward, but she was the only one that actually got really injured right. from the uh, from the bridge. There were other people that got injured, but she was the only one that got really injured from the bridge. And we're seeing that she's having some hallucinations and some vertigo. Right. I, I think it's got. I think something happened to her cybernetic implant. Yeah. Because that's where the injury was centered. And yeah. I could see that coming back and being an issue. They tell her, you got to go to med. Right. So she goes to the med. And while I uh, get down to med, we see Stamets is waking up from his induced coma. Okay. I actually thought this was a really shot, really cool. Because you see Stamets all alone in sick bay. Mm-hmm. And my first thought was, I mean, okay, but they just crash landed. Wouldn't there be more people there? And so you see him all alone, and then you see the camera pan, and there's just pandemonium going on. Yep. It, it was... I thought it was cool. Yeah, it was a good fade. Yeah. It it was, because, it, because it was fading in. And so what it was was you, you were getting it from the perspective of Stamets. Right. And since Stamets was just coming out of a coma, he was, you know, solo. Everything was fine. He's still foggy and cloudy. So right. So the people around him still weren't as loud as they were. Mm-hmm. But he could then focus... His concentration on his husband, mm-hmm. the actual doctor of the ship. Well, one of the doctors. He's not the he's not the uh, chief medical officer. Ah, I um, I love the fact that they woke. You know, he Culber woke him up and tells him, you know, yeah, you know, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. But we need your bed, so we need you to go. Exactly. <laughs> so they take him and throw him into a regeneration chamber, mm-hmm. and you see because in season one, Stamets was just a prick. Hundred percent. In season two, he was a prick that we saw that wants to do the best for the crew mm-hmm. and wants to constantly be working. So he's a workaholic prick. Yes. This season, he's so far he's not a prick yet. He's still injured. Give him time. He's injured. So that's what I'm saying. Yet, but <laughs> he's actually more on the workaholic. I need to get working. I need to do something. I can't sit down and do nothing. Right. Person. And that's much better character driven mm-hmm. than just being a prick. Right. I, we've seen some growth in Stamets over the last two seasons and I like that it's continuing. Mm-hmm. He actually pairs up with Jet Reno, who is the engineer from, that they rescued in season two and she stayed with the ship. I love their pairing mm-hmm. because they just antagonize each other. Constantly. Now here's, here's the thing I thought was just stupid, but okay. So he's injured, just came out of a coma Reno has a back problem because mm-hmm. she got tossed around on the bridge. and But someone needs to go to a Jeffrey's tube. Mm-hmm. And Stamets is like, I'm going to go up. And Reno's like, why don't we just call someone else? <laughs> and Stamets just says, no, I'm going up. <laughs> Stubborn as all hell. But that's his character. I know. So he goes up. He starts calling in there. And while he's trying to do the repairs, he's losing consciousness, sort of. 
Well, but but um, Reno is talking to him like he doesn't know what he like how he's supposed to do something. Right. So he's 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 walking through like a child. Well, you got to remember, I don't. He's not necessarily a ship's engineer. He's an astromycologist. He deals with mushrooms. Yeah. He's more of a biologist than he is a ship engineer. Because that's the thing you got to remember. He's not the chief engineer. No. A lot of people assumed that Culver was the chief medical officer, Stamets was the chief engineer, and because we're so used to having the commanding officers be the center of the show. Mm -hmm. But neither of them is true. So Stamets is not the chief engineer. He was strictly on board to do experiments with the spore drive. Yeah, he was just... Because it was him and his buddy that were on the the two different ships. Right. And his buddy's ship got destroyed. He was on that ship because he was... He was a specialist. Exactly. From what I remember. Right. So it doesn't it doesn't really surprise me that he might not know exactly how to change out whatever they were that, doing. That, that wasn't really my, my concern was the fact that he is so damn stubborn. Ah, eh, that's the character. I mean it it fits with him. He's gonna do what he's gonna do and he really doesn't care yeah. about what anyone says. So then next we have Jojo trying to, you know, pretty much push everyone around the way she wants to do things. Right. I like Giorgio. Yeah. I mean, she pushes Linus around, and I love Linus. Yeah. Linus is a big alien that talks with clicks, and he has really big eyes. Kind of a lizard. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty great. But I like him. I like Linus. Right. And then, uh, what was the other girl, the one with the things on her around her mouth? That's uh, Commander Nan. Okay. So, she, w- she was the security officer from the Enterprise that stayed with them. Yes. So, but Commander Nan pretty much was just manipulated so badly and i remember she was like security officer was like how can someone be head of security to be manipulated that easily i had the same thought and the only thing i can come up with is she doesn't know Giorgio's backstory mm. so she thinks that she's dealing with a former captain who worked with section 31 well section 31 on its own you should be oh you're gonna be yeah because section 31 is trash yes I agree. I don't think she expected the level of deception that Giorgio was capable of. Yes. Which is a very high level of deception. So we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, skirting around the characters. Honestly, it's probably best to do this the same way we did the boys. Yeah, well, for right now, for this one, yeah. Yeah. And so now we are going with Saru and Tilly. Right. Because that's really all that's left. For Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the other bridge officers didn't do it. They ton. really didn't do much. Uh, so we go with Saru and Tilly, and their journey is to go to the outpost that they saw mm-hmm. to try and make a trade for something. Because right. they need to get some mineral. I don't remember what the name of the mineral was. Rubinium. Sure, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and they say that that place has a lot of rubinium, and so they have to go and get it. Saru was in a meeting with Giorgio and a couple other people, and he was like, okay, well, I'm going with Tilly. And everyone's like, why Tilly? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because Saru still, he is still taking very seriously his mission to train her to be a senior officer. Yes. And he he seems to see something in her that literally no one else on the ship sees. No. And who knows? Maybe it's there. I, I like Tilly. She's not my favorite character. She's not Wesley Crusher. She's a gatter. She is. Very much so. And Burnham actually brought that up in uh, the first episode. Oh, when she was high as a kite? Yeah, she was high. I was like, oh, 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 I, I got a friend that would talk to you, your ears off. Yeah. She do, just constantly will talk. Yeah, do not give this to her. 
they start walking across the plains. Mm-hmm. Uh, they walk out and they walk on the ice and walk off the ice because they landed into pretty much a glacier. Is, is right, and they, they were aiming for it because it's got give, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And so they walk across the ice and all of a sudden they see some mysterious figure and they start walking toward that figure and they start following the figure. And all of a sudden the figure walks to a, like a, it looked like a, just like an arch. Yeah. And it gets teleported. Right. And so they walk into the, and, and teleport right up. And pretty much it's a alien Western. Essentially, yes. Yes, yeah, an alien Western saloon. Yeah. Walk into the saloon, everyone's just sitting there, and then everyone pulls their weapons on them. <laughs> and it was like, and all the aliens know you are the USS Discovery. We know that you're the Discovery. Right. We know you're a Federation ship. <laughs> and they're like, well, we're, we're trying to hide it. We're, we're wearing, like, black clothing, and we're, not, right. we're trying not to show our insignias or anything like that. But, no, they, they, it doesn't matter. The aliens are upset with Starfleet for, you know, being destroyed. Yeah, because it was Starfleet's fault. Yes, it's Starfleet's fault for being destroyed <laughs> during the burn. We'll probably find out more about that later during the burn. But, yes, yeah, so they're, they're right, angry right, with right. that. And they're saying, well, we like we just need to repair we just need to repair this rod. And Tilly's watching them doing the repair. He's like, oh my god, what are you doing? Right. Is that that's a I'm sorry. Techno babble, techno babble, techno babble, techno babble, techno babble, techno babble. And then the aliens looking at us like, you shouldn't. This is like child level stuff. Right. And it's like, oh, we were adrift. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, okay. And they're like, well, you got to get this and get it and get out because there's going to be a really bad baddie. You know, the, the Biff Tannen of uh, the space world is coming in. <laughs> Sorry, I had just watched Back to the Future 3 um, recently. Hey, so, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Absolutely it, it nothing wrong with that. Head. <laughs> it came <laughs> in my head. It came in my head. It's fair. Anyways, the Biff Tannen of this is, uh, I don't remember his name. They started with a Z. Zara or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll call him Zatanna for right now. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Zatanna comes in, and for those of you who don't know, Zatanna is a magician. From Dungeons & Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in, and and he's like, oh, yeah, I know Federation people are here. No Essentially, hiding. he knows all about what's going on. Yeah. While the, Fed, the you know, Saru and Tilly were talking to the aliens, the alien, some of the aliens got a backbone. Mm-hmm. They were going to stand up for themselves. When one did... Well, yeah, because there's Federation people here. Exactly. So when one did, the Tara uh, decided to, hey, poof, I'm just going to kill you. Right. We can't have backbones. The weapon was very... It seemed like it punched a hole in the guy and just made him bleed from the inside. Yeah. So I'm guessing it was some kind of disruptor, not a phaser. Sure. There's a difference. <laughs> So there's a little fight going on. Tilly and Saru are pretty much, you know, they're uh, surrounded now. Mm-hmm. Well, then we find out about the parasitic ice. Uh, yes. <laughs> I thought that was cool. Um, so apparently this, this planet is covered in ice that acts like a parasite. And it piles on and it moves and it crushes and then it consumes. Mm-hmm. And this ice is all over the Discovery. So now we have a ticking time clock. It happens at night. We know the Discovery has to be done soon and so saru is trying to negotiate they know through observation that these people need dilithium because we know that the burn destroyed the dilithium so we knew that tilly figured it out because tilly is very smart well tilly found out she, she saw there there were what capable ships like in a stockyard right but none of them had dilithium in them right and everyone's like well, you can't fly a warp capable ship without dilithium right so 
she blurts out that they have dilithium and they're trying to negotiate with Zatanna and he's he's got all the weapons and he's proven that he's willing to kill so they're I, I admire Saru for trying to negotiate the way that he did but it was not going well and they were going to send Tilly to the ship to get the dilithium at night and she was going to have to try and make it through the parasitic ice I, I do want to correct something <laughs> Jason said Zatanna was from D&D. It's not. It's from DC Comics. I thought it was from D&D. No. Uh, so Zatanna is a female magician uh, that wears fishnet stockings. Oh, am I thinking of Xantha? Probably. Xantha's Guide to Everything? Yes. Yes, what you're thinking of. Okay. That's just for the next two. <laughs> I'm getting my stuff messed, messed up. Yes. I needed to make that correction. So Xantha's Guide to Everything, is, that book is right there. Okay. No, it's literally right behind you. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I was close. <laughs> Sorry. Continuing. Continuing. So they're negotiating. It's not going well. And who shows up? Jojo! Everybody's favorite psychotic mirror universe empress. Jojo! (laughs) She comes in, does some little back talk. Oh, immediately starts talking trash. Exactly. Which is one of the reasons why I love Jojo, because she doesn't respect anyone. You know, the communication, she's like, you don't want to point that gun at me. If you point that gun at me, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, what do you mean? He's like, if you follow him, you're going to die. Yeah, because your rivals also detect the ship. They're on their way. He knows this. He's not telling you because you're dumb. Yeah. Then Giorgio has a nice little, small little battle mm-hmm. and kills everyone. Essentially, yes. <laughs> Except for Zatanna. Yes. And they're like, okay, well, now we have your gun. Never, your, your, your entire crew is dead. Um, yeah. We're going to just take our stuff and go. Oh, she was going to execute it. Oh, yeah. Saru wanted nothing with that. Though. Right. I, I think Saru knew that he really couldn't stop her mid-killing of everyone else since it was basically... Happening. Yeah. But he stepped in when he could, stopped her from killing the guy, instead gave justice to the other miners that were in the bar. Yes. Now, I do feel that during the fight, Saru's needles came out. That, mm-hmm. was, that was actually pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I, I like Evolved Saru. Yeah. I think it's cool. And, and they, they send the bad guy off onto the ice in the night and yeah he's no, most no, certainly going to die no knowing that if he gets in, in the middle of, uh the middle of the ice in the night it's the ice parasites and they're gonna go and just consume and poof yeah no more zatanna right who knows we might see him <laughs> in the future i don't know yes. we didn't we didn't see a body no so the next thing we see is is they are now no longer in the bar they're in the ship well because they gave him a personal they transporter. They gave him the personal transporter and they were able to transport to the ship. They gave him the deus ex machina. Which is a logical technological advancement. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> so now the ship is being consumed by the ice and they're trying right. to, you know, you know, trying to get us to go. They're, they're De- trying to lift a ship off of the planet's surface that was never meant to lift off of the planet's surface. Yes. Yeah. Detmer is, you know, being a little wonky. Yeah. Because uh, as I mentioned before, she got hit in her head. And blah, blah, blah. Right. But now she's like, I can't get us up there. We can't fly. And all of a sudden, it was like another ship is coming in. And they're like, oh, no. There might be one of those other people that they thought they were coming. Oh, no. Transporter. Um, sorry, not transporter. Um, tractor tractor beam. beam comes down, grabs onto it. Do sex machina tractor beam. Oh, pulls man. it up. <laughs> and tractor beam is a normal Star Trek thing. <sighs> yeah. I'm, I'm calling this the... Do sec machina, uh, Star Trek, do sec machina. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it is right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and the tractor I think we're going to have a disagreement about what a do sex machina is. <laughs> it's a uh, item within the storytelling that gets someone out of a situation based upon that 
item specifically. But isn't it isn't it a core tenant of that that it comes out of nowhere? That there's essentially no build up to it. It comes out of nowhere and happens with no explanation. That might be something in there, but I'm taking it okay, out. Okay, all right, all right. As long as we're clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they pull the ship out. They're like, oh, we got our... And this is the part that I thought that was for the technology-wise. I don't I don't agree with. Okay. It's They got the ship out. They start pulling, uh, and then they're like, we have communications back up. So then they're like, we're getting hailed by that other ship. Okay. Okay. For a thousand years, you don't think communication has changed so much that the same the communication for 930 years ago is going to still communicate as properly with the communication of that 930 years later. I, I, I mean, I could say maybe, but no, no. I, I think they probably would have had better with... It's like know, a cell phone oh, trying to call a smoke signal. That's what I'm thinking, yes. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it just doesn't... It just, the, the the technologies I don't think are going to meld with that much advancement. Possibly not. So it's if, something I'm willing to look over, but I see where you're coming from. If say there was, you know, communication is now done by hollow projection. I don't know if it is. I'm not saying it. That's the way it is, is in the future. Well, considering that they had that in the first season of Discovery, and they had it, they showed it in Deep Space Nine. Yes, you would think they would have it. But what I'm saying is they could have done hollow, automatic hollow projection onto another location mm-hmm. without actually having to do a uh, connection for a call. Okay. And it's like, you know, hollow projection out and Hey, it's Michael Burnham. Right. Oh, it was Michael that it was Michael that, that got the track. She saved them. She's been here for a year and looking for them. Yes. Episodes done. <laughs> but but that, that's, that's my technological complaint okay. is 930 year old technology, which they're saying, Oh, this is antiques, blah, blah, blah. You know, a thousand year old antiques. Yep. I understand that's, you know, all that stuff. Oh, we don't know how to build that. That's new technology. I didn't know what that was. Sure. But they can make a communication call with each other? Look at it this way. You could take a program from, you know, I can take from Windows program, 95. And, and it will and, not work on Windows XP, which we're already past XP. If you have somebody who knows how to use Windows XP, they can open that program. But we're no longer in XP. We're in Windows. Um, 10. Yes, we're in okay, Windows but 10. what I'm saying and, is... And, and I'm saying the programs that were working in 95 wouldn't work on XP. XP stuff are not working on Windows 10. For the average user, yes. But if you have somebody who knows what they're doing, they can open that program. Yeah. And let's also discuss the fact technology has probably been at a standstill for 150 years. So while, yes, it's 930 years in the future, and I know this isn't... It's a small thing. The technology probably stopped at the burn. There's probably very little technological innovation because there's more just people trying to stay alive. It, it's it's a standard post-apocalyptic I'll, 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 thing. I'll, I'll, I'll give that a, as a do It's still 770 sort of years of technology. So, But there was also a temporal war. So, And wars, yes, they advance military technology, but they stifle other things. But a lot of military technology is how we get other things. So it's like we got military uh, from military technology. We got the microwave from military technology. We got the internet. I mean, Fair. the you know military technology leads to these other things. Right. I don't have a huge problem with the communications with with them being able to work with the discoveries antique communications. It doesn't. Yeah. I, don't know. I see your point. It's not something I'm going to get hung up on. <laughs> um, I saw it. This morning when I watched it, and I was like, oh, that's something I have to complain about. <laughs> that's just something I have to bring up, because I, I just don't like it when I they feel do like season like three Discovery is going to be a lot of me talking you off a ledge. 
which is fine. I'm happy to do it because yeah. I honestly, I really enjoy Discovery. Right. Well, that is our take on Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. episodes one and two of season three. Do we have any news? Small news, but some news. There was a photo that came out. I saw it on Instagram of Tom Holland dressed as Nathan Drake. Yes, because they are actively filming the Nathan Drake movie from uh, the Uncharted the Uncharted on PlayStation. Yes. We talked about how the, when The Witcher came out with some you know photos of right. their characters. You know, If you want to see what Tom Holland looks like as Nathan Drake, which actually I didn't think it was that bad. I was going to say, he actually he looks like the character. So I'm... Yeah. So, I can't say I'm excited because honestly, I, I haven't been a PlayStation guy for a while, so I've never played the games. Mm. I've heard a lot of great things about them that they're a good send up to Indiana Jones. Yep. And, you know, the world needs more Indiana Jones stuff, so. <laughs> Our next uh, is Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate Unleashes Rambo. Which is an interesting choice. Hey, Rambo gets to come in with his bow and arrow and start shooting people. Yeah. Now, I suck at Mortal Kombat, so I can't say I'm going to be diving into it, but. Hey. I like the I like the because they also have Terminator in there. They have RoboCop in there. Mm. I like the DLC characters they're doing. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, the biggest news we have, and I I can't decide if it's good news or bad news. There is a report that Zack Snyder is bringing in Jared Leto to play the Joker in the Snyder Cut reshoots, which I think is a good connection for the story. Um, so that we can see the Joker, but I don't want him more than like two minutes. The thing is, I'm trying to figure out where he would fit into that story. And I don't know that he will. But I, I guess this movie is going to be, what, four hours long? Because it's going to be four parts, an hour long a piece? Correct. So it's going to be four hours. I'm sure they'll find a spot for him. I hope that he's better than he was in Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad because I think the character had potential. I think he was just played all wrong. Mm-hmm. Not played all wrong, written all wrong. Yeah, I mean... He was Gangster Joker. He was Gangster Joker. And in the comics, there's no real Gangster Joker. There's Mobster Joker. I'll give it that. But there's no Gangster Joker. And this was this was definitely Gangbanger Joker. Yeah. And I, I didn't mind Jared Leto's portrayal. I think that the writing of the character was kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. And I think that the whole second half of that movie is kind of dumb anyway. So Yeah. Well, um, in the last piece of news that I have, there is a trailer for Raya in the last dragon it's a disney movie it's an animated disney movie not a pixar movie i mean i watched the trailer it was good it didn't really inspire me so much that i was like oh but i was like i still want to watch it right and i want to see it um it's just the trailer it's the first show that just came out so uh it's definitely something you can see on youtube i want to say it came on maybe wednesday or tuesday okay um so yeah it's you know not that yeah it's a day ago so wednesday came out on wednesday okay um, so yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon is the last uh, piece of news I have is trailers. Yeah, I got nothing else. Well, I have been your Geek Scott. And I have been your Geek Jason. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>